time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 54 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? That's Colombian. Colombian. It's strong because we need some caffeine. That's good. And it's good. Okay, so you ready to drink some coffee and chat? Absolutely. How are you doing? Great. Getting ready for the holidays. Everybody is getting ready for the holidays. This is the busiest time of the year. Mm -hmm. I've been, I know you have too, collecting chicken ornaments. Oh, yes. From all over. So it's going to be fun. We're working on the chicken tree. I'll fill it out with like some glittered pine cones or something and starting to bake the holiday cookies. The cookies, I've started. I give a lot of people cookies during this time of the year. Yeah, me too. And it's one of my things that I'm always like, okay, I love to do, but then I'm like, oh my God, I got to have a day just to to do it. Yep. To dedicate to these cookies. When you give them, it makes people happy. Oh, it it does. makes me happy. Yep. I love Christmas cookie time. I think it's super fun. I love making cookies. It's one of my favorite easy gifts. I give all of our neighbors a box of mm-hmm. cookies, homemade cookies, yeah. or I make scones also. Nice. It puts a smile on everybody's face, and it's not an expensive thing. It's no, just it's a thought. thoughtful, really nice thing. Yeah, your daughter. Ella was just wondering when I'm going to make peanut butter cookies. I think she was running through the house yelling about peanut butter cookies. Yeah, and then she said, oh, you're going to make them, but she didn't realize you were making them for somebody else at first. So apparently you have to make her peanut butter cookies I, now. I figured that. It's fine. She's like, uh, yeah, you're making peanut butter cookies. Uh, I'll make peanut butter cookies. I have lots of people that get them, really, so it's fine. Well, I guess Ella has to join the list. Apparently. <laughs> and if you want to make my peanut butter cookies, check out the show notes for last December show. Oh, yeah. We give your peanut butter cookie recipe. Yeah. I've been making that recipe for like 30 years. Yeah. It's simple, but delicious. Delicious. Mm-hmm. So good. So we're getting ready for our Christmas trip. I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward to that, too. Yeah. That is going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. Again, top secret. Can't wait to tell everybody about it. Chickens and Christmas. Chickens at Christmas. There's not enough chicken Christmas stuff. I think there needs to be more. I think so, too. Our studio is coming along so much. Everywhere I look right now, I get happy because <laughs> I look at chickens. There are a couple chicken things in here. There's I a know. Couple. You know what I have to put out here? A few weeks ago, Alyssa, my other bestie, gave us what a fantastic oh my God. one-year anniversary gift. It was like the mother load of vintage chicken stuff. It was a huge box. I, we couldn't even lift it. It was all wrapped up so nicely. Mm -hmm. Chicken statues and so many plates that we're going to put on the wall. Candle holders. Cookie jar. Note cards. Note cards are pretty. And the covered casserole dish. Yes, that is a hen. Thank you, Alyssa. We love it. We do love it, Alyssa. It's so much cute stuff. Thank you. That was super thoughtful and generous. She's so thoughtful to be going out there looking for the vintage chicken stuff out there for us. And she came through. It was fun. It was a lot of fun to unwrap all that. Yeah, it was. We can just take a second to ask everybody a big favor. If you're listening to our show and loving it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. It really does help the podcast. Shout out to Mixed Flock in Maine for a really nice review a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. So much fun reading. It was a really good review. Loved it. 
If you're looking for other ways to help the podcast, you can head over to our Etsy shop and check out our t-shirts <laughs> and they ship free. You can visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. See our levels of membership. Thank you again to all of our patrons for your support this past year. Thank you so much. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of November, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, COFFEE20, for 20% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other offers. If you haven't heard, Grubly Farms has a brand new layer crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken t-shirts. They are so cute and so soft. In the November box, I absolutely love the blank chicken note cards and the refillable treat feeder complete with suet treats. My favorites were those tea towels. They were so nice and thick with a nice chicken print. Hey, I'm going to use it for an oven pad. Perfect. Boxes start at $39 per month. They ship immediately after your purchase and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So now it's about that time for Breed Spotlight. You were into that one, man. This week we're spotlighting a very interesting chicken. It's the California White. The California White, yeah. And our guest that's going to be on later has California White. She has a couple of rescued California Whites. Yes. And our vet, Dr. Rebecca, has a California White pullet. She said it's a really smart little chicken. So we decided to dive a little deeper into this hybrid breed chicken, which yeah. we normally do we not normally do. We normally do not do. This one was really interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the California White's a hybrid. Yes. Now, interestingly enough, the California White is produced by crossing a California Gray rooster with a white leghorn hen. Okay. That's a nice mix. They are excellent layers. Well, yeah, you got the leghorn. Exactly. No and when, yeah, and they look very much like a white leghorn with some Dalmatian spots on them. They're really That's cool. That's what they remind me of. It's yeah. like a chicken Dalmatian. It's not a tiny dot like the speckled Sussex or the Swedish flowers. It's a bigger yeah. spot on them. It's like the model. Yeah. Except it's not quite as many. It's right. somewhere in between. They're really neat. So the dual-purpose California gray parent stock is also a hybrid. So this chicken is a hybrid of a hybrid. It's a hybrid of a hybrid. We'll get to that, yes. But it is. It is, yeah. So the California gray parent stock is also a hybrid. It was created in California in the 1930s to meet the growing demand for white eggs from U.S. consumers. We talk about this, I think, in one of our Patreon episodes, and we also talk about it throughout. There was a time, I think it's like around the 50s, that it was the thing to eat white eggs. It started in the 20s and the 30s. Yeah, and they were better than brown eggs. Right, for whatever bizarre reason. Brown eggs were not ideal. 
And I don't understand. I don't know if it's like they were too rustic. I don't know what it was. And now everyone wants the brown eggs. Yeah, exactly. It was the opposite. So they had to get a way to get optimum production out of these chickens. Right. What the breeder did is they crossed a barred rock and a white leghorn. Right. What they were trying to do is get some of the size of the barred rock and the laying ability of the leghorn. And then also the barred rocks are winter layers where the leghorns are not. Yeah. So they would also have more of a year-round layer with the barred rock. Right. That makes sense. And the offspring of that are barred, like the Plymouth. Right. So the California white is essentially three quarters leghorn Mm -hmm. and another quarter barred rock. And as you said, it's a hybrid of a hybrid. They're also auto-sexing, which would be really helpful for commercial layers. And it's also an advantage if you're buying day-old chicks from a hatchery or a farm supply store, they're auto-sexing. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody wants. It's better for people who have neighborhoods, who have provisions in place, or you can't have ruse. I would go so far as to say buying an auto-sex breed and making sure you're getting pullets is a form of rooster plan. Yeah, it definitely is a way to make sure that you don't get a rooster if you don't want one. Exactly. So with all of that leghorn blood, The California white definitely lays a white egg, and they lay plenty of them. They do have a very strong leghorn resemblance. Yeah, they do, for sure. They're a light body, but not quite as light as the leghorn. Yeah. They have a large straight comb. They have the yellow legs and the upright tail. Mm -hmm. But then they have those black spots here and there on their white feathers. So can we name one Pongo? Yes, and Perdita. Yes. You could. (laughs) That's cute. I like that. That's really cute. We thought these spots were pretty cool, so we looked into how they occur. I mean, how do you get a chicken with a big spot? It's a genetic factor. It is. So normally, the rooster passes on the color gene. Mm -hmm. So offspring get color from the rooster. But the color white or silver is dominant to other colors, even when the hen carries it. So in the California white, that California gray cockerel, he carries the barring gene. Mm -hmm. And the leghorn hen carries the dominant white color gene, which means when they have offspring, The cockerels get two copies of the white color gene. The pullets get one copy of the white color gene and one copy of the barring gene. Right. And so that means that the bar is incomplete. So their offspring will be white males, and they do have an occasional black spot. But then the females that are white with that incomplete barring that shows up as the big black spots. As far as autosexing goes, the male chicks will have a plain yellow head while the females have a black spot on their head. They're pretty easy to tell apart. Yeah, so that's awesome. Honestly, I'd love to see more local farm feed stores carry this breed if they are auto-sexy. And if you're having people that come in and just want females to be able to do that without the guessing game involved in it. Exactly. I mean, let's face it. The leghorn is risky to get in those spots because they're almost always straight run. Yeah. Not every time, but almost always. The mill, when I got Lucy there, was not straight run. Lucky. They were pullets. Okay. You still have a 10% chance. Right, there's still a risk, absolutely. So we looked around, and most of the major U.S. hatcheries have started carrying California white chicks. And they're also starting to show up at some farm supply stores around the country. Which is good. I mean, I feel like the Crested Cream Leg Bars and the California Whites, the auto-sexing breeds should be out there more. If we're going to do this whole big thing that we're rethinking the rooster, let's also put an option out there for someone who knows absolutely... Because of regulations, they cannot have a rooster, and let's stop it right there and give these people an option of auto Right. And honestly, I think the leg bar is an amazing option to have. We're big fans of the Mediterranean. Yeah. But I think these, at three-quarters leghorn blood, you're basically getting a leghorn. Yeah. And I think they would be a fantastic option. When I think about it, 
the year I got Lucy is the year I got Penny, Bernadette, and Poppy. They're the like, Bard Rocks. That's the right. The Bard Rocks. That's right. yep. it's so crazy. Well, Leghorns and Bard Rocks are foundation breeds for so many yeah. more modern breeds out there. Yeah, exactly. It's astonishing. So the California White, because they're a hybrid, they will not breed true. But I mean, not... you could get a spot on the neck, a spot back here. They're going to all look a little different. Yes. And to produce California White stock, you need to cross the grandparent stock first. So to create a California White, you need California Grays. To create California Grays, you need Bard Rocks and Leghorns. Yeah. But you have to breed them in just the right order. Like it has to be the Bard Rock Rooster and the Leghorn Hen. Right. You have to do it that way. It seems a lot easier to us to buy them. Yes. Heck yeah. yes. This is an interesting breed because I could find the background for the California Gray, but not for the white itself. Like I couldn't find who did it all. Well, and... right. When you look up the other hybrids, they tend to be attached to a genetics company. That or one single person who, right, who, who, who wanted this. to do something. And often when it comes to hybrids, because they're used so widely in industrial settings, the parent stock generally comes from a company like the Brown Shaver, for instance. Yeah. You knew you were getting Shaver genetics and you had to buy the parent stock from them to say that you were selling Brown Shavers. Right. But I couldn't find this for the California White. In fact, so many hatcheries carry them now. Yeah. They were developed for industrial purposes, but People maybe, like them. Yeah, I guess. Or And like I said, the auto-sexing is a huge deal. It's, it is. It's a huge advantage for this chicken. I was just wondering if there's some way that they weren't the best fit for the industrial market. I'm sure. But they end up being a really nice fit for a small for a farm backyard. or homestead, backyard person. Absolutely. I would say with complete truthfulness that this is probably one of the very few hybrids I would want in my flock. Yeah. I would take one of these birds happily. Yeah. Because they're almost all leghorn and barred rock. They're amazing breeds. Yeah. We're all about the heritage breeds. Yes. But I think if you're going for a hybrid, this is a nice one to do. It does definitely seem like it's a great breed. So that's our California white. I wish we had more history on it. But, but there's nothing we out there. We got what we got. Yeah. We got what we got. So if you're interested, check them out. And if you have California White, send us pictures. We'd love to see them. Oh, we really would. We love a spotted chicken. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. So now it's time to move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. And our main topic is going to be hooked along with our guests. Right. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about the science of baking with eggs. And then we're going to bring Christina in from Baking with Chickens. Yeah. Essentially, when you use your eggs in baking, there are three components that yes. make a difference. The white, the yolk, and then the whole egg. Exactly. So as far as egg whites go, as we talk about in our All About Eggs episode, the egg whites are mostly white and protein bundles. And you can watch when you fry an egg, you see the whites will gel. They'll, they'll turn exactly. white and cook. And that's what gives some baked goods some structure and some stability because as they cook, they solidify. The other thing that egg whites do, I mean, obviously you can whip them into meringue and it's their ability to become so light that helps food rise. Right. The one thing you do have to watch out with your egg whites is that they don't have any fat at all. 
No. So when you use an egg white on its own, it can be drying. So when you think of making, say, an angel food cake, right, it can be drier. The way you keep an angel food cake moist is to add more sugar. It makes sense. It really does, yeah. So that's your white. Your white does amazing things on its own. And then the egg yolk. Basically fat. Yeah. And it's very nutrient dense. So what it does is it brings in richness to whatever you're baking. Right. Two-thirds of the egg is the white. And then about a third of it is the yolk. Yes. And that yolk is super dense, like you said. It does have its own protein. It has the moisture. Yes. One of the things it does because of that high fat content is that it helps oil emulsify. That's why it works in something like mayonnaise. Right. The fats combine. It also has the ability to help combine liquids and other fats into a cohesive mixture, which is kind of where we're just going. But that makes a difference when you're mixing batter ingredients together. Right. The yolk is what helps it come together. That's why when you make anything, even say you're making burgers or anything like that, or meatloaf, use that whole entire egg to help that stick together and bind. Yes. The yolk helps with all of those things. The other thing that egg yolks are really good for is thickening. Yes. So think lemon curd or pastry cream or things like that where you're using egg yolks. As soon as they heat up, it starts to thicken. So they're fantastic for that. So then we move on to the whole egg, which is the way we prefer to use our eggs. Well, if you think about it this way, if you use the whole egg, you're getting the best of all the worlds. Right. So you're getting everything you need. And it's kind of the way, I don't want to say this, but nature intended it to be. Well, right. No, that makes sense. You're getting the structure. You're getting the richness. You're getting the fat, the protein, everything that you eat. All that moisture content. Helps things rise yes. as it steams and, and evaporates. That's all the water coming off. Exactly. And again, the whites are giving that structure too, along with the emulsifying properties and the thickening properties of the yolks, the richness, the ridiculously good flavor that eggs give everything. Yeah. And if you can't tell by now, we are a big fan of big just using fans. the entire egg. You can save the yolks for later or even the whites and whip them into meringue. But to use the entire egg, to me, it's how nature intended to be. Yeah, unless you're making meringues. <laughs> meringues. Or another thing that I've seen is in certain pies, you can add like one extra egg yolk. Right. To bring your filling a little bit more like a custard to bring it more. Oh, yeah. A little bit more richness. There's that thickening again in the richness. Yeah. And I know I say this a lot, but that is the whole purpose of the egg yolk. And that's where the fats come in. A lot of flavor. A lot of flavor. When you mix the whole egg together and use it, It also gives you a lot of tenderness from the fat, moisture from the egg whites, and overall, it's just some synergistic magic. Yeah, it's science. Everyone says that baking is science, and I 1 million percent agree. Absolutely. Because cooking and baking are different to me. If you're baking, you have to be very scientific with everything has to be measured as it's supposed to be. Well, it's a chemistry experiment. Exactly. The ingredients have to work together the right way. They have to work with the heat the right way. If you're cooking, that's more of a dash of this, throw this in, and have some fun mixing everything together. Unless you're doing some kind of fancy technique, I totally agree. Yeah, baking to me, when it says one cup of flour, I'm measuring it precisely because I want it to work the way it's intended to. And it's the same thing with the eggs. Now, here's the thing. If your recipe calls for separating eggs, please save them or reuse them in another recipe because you can. We have ice cube trays that you can save them in and freeze them for later. It's just a good way to save. So 
let's go with a, a little bit before we bring Christina in about the eggs and measuring them. Right. And that's really important if you are a backyard chicken farmer because, you know, your eggs are all over the place. Right. You might have some huge ones from your Orpingtons or Jersey Giants. So they have a standard volume and it goes from small to jumbo. Yes, it does. So if you're dealing with the small egg, it's probably you have a bantam egg and you're going to be looking at two and a half tablespoon of egg. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to have to measure my eggs and figure this out because here's my question. Is a small a bantam egg and is a medium a pullet egg? I don't know. I have the egg scale. So I put mine yeah. on there and that measures in weight where this measures in volume. Right. So both are a little different when you do the scale. And you're right. Maybe the small is the bantam and the medium is a pullet. It's the just large a is a normal. A normal size egg, yeah. Right. And then the two extra large and jumbo are like from larger breed chickens. That's some big chickens. Essentially, what you're looking for is the amount. So if your recipe says you need a large egg, if you use one of the volume charts, it's going to tell you that a large egg is 46 milliliters. Yeah, it's 46 mLs. If you use the scale, it's going to weigh the egg. Right versus in volumes, but they still kind of end up to be the same. It's just yeah. a different way to measure them. Look at the difference between a large egg and an extra large, 10 mLs. That's a big difference. It is a big difference. And then there's not much difference between the extra large to jumbo, 56 to 60 mLs. It's and only 4 mLs. If you take it out of the metric and put it into Imperial, it's a quarter of a cup plus four tablespoons. That's a big egg. But that's for both of them. Both the extra large and the jumbo say quarter of a cup four tablespoons. Four mLs is not much. So, no. I mean, that's not much difference between It's like a them. negligible difference between extra large and jumbo. It's almost like saying it's the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. So, there's a huge difference, though, between the large and the extra large. Right. So, if something is calling for a large egg and you have this huge egg, it's going to make a difference in your recipe. Yeah, absolutely. And also the same, 38 mLs to 46 mLs for a large versus a small. Mm-hmm. That's the science of this. Right. If you really want to know, you can measure these so that you're getting exactly what you're supposed to. Right. And that really matters if you have various sizes of eggs. It does. Yeah. Science. Because, you know, if you're depending on the egg to do all those scientific things that it's going to do for you, all the chemistry in the kitchen, you need to use the correct amount. Yeah. At some point, you and I are going to have to do this experiment and map this out in a really easy way for people to find it. We could just take the eggs and measure them and take pictures of them and put them up and figure out for ourselves how, according to these charts, our eggs go. The milliliter is super helpful, especially for a lot of our UK and European listeners. Oh, yeah. But here, I'd prefer to have them in a different measurement. The weight. Especially the medium and large, because I feel like most eggs we are working with as backyard chicken farmers are medium to large. And there's only three mLs difference yeah. in volume. Yeah. That's nothing. That's not a lot. I think everyone at some point should take an egg that each chicken lays mm -hmm. and measure it out and say, okay... This chicken average will give me a large egg. And it wouldn't have egg. to be an average because they're not always going to be the same size. Exactly. It has to be an average, yeah. definitely, because they're not always the same. Right. But, hey, you can measure them out for every recipe, you too. Can. Have you ever made a jelly roll cake or like a, like a Christmas bouche de Noël? No. We're going to have to do that one year for Christmas when we do a French-themed Christmas. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. My, my sister does them, and that's a place where you're separating your eggs and your yolks. Mm -hmm. And you're using your egg whites to make the cake roll. Okay. And then you're using your egg yolks to make the pastry cream or whatever you fill oh, it wow. with. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the bouche de Noël is fun because that's when you decorate it like the Yule log. Oh, yeah. It's really, really fun. I have so. not done one of those. Mine aren't always very pretty. 
she does a really nice roll and mine don't roll so nicely. <laughs> but it's still a really fun thing to make. And you can cover a lot with icing and powdered sugar. Speaking of baking, maybe we should bring in Christina. Yes. Christina, how are you doing? Hello. I am feeling punk as cluck. That's, that's, <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's great. You've always been one of our absolute favorite guests. You have YouTube channel, Baking with Chickens. You have your very successful Instagram account, also Baking with Chickens. So we want to catch up with you again and see what's going on in your world. Oh and happy God. holidays, too. Happy holidays. Oh, it's cookie baking season, you guys. Yes. Are you excited? Yes. I have fun cookie recipes for you so you can wow your friends and win at the best holiday cookie exchange. Awesome. Oh, yes. That's what we're going to get to. But we're going to ask you a few questions before we get there because we want to catch up. Mm-hmm. It's been a few months since we caught up. So, and a lot has happened in your life. Yes. So that's, that's where we want to go. Why don't you start by telling us what is new in your life? Everything. So the last time I was on was in March and we were talking about the Polish chickens and dude, everything in my life has changed since March. So it's been a roller coaster of highs and lows. I mean, the highs where I was on Hulu as a contestant on Baker's Dozen. I was on episode mm-hmm. five. Yes. And um, I became friends with a lot of the bakers there that were in the group with me. And it's been a great time. So that's riding a fun wave. And then I'm trying to manifest a cookbook from the universe. <laughs> I'm noodling and working with a friend on building a magazine, a digital Ooh. magazine, which is huge and also a big project. Nice. Uh, I've also gone through a huge breakup since March. So I lost the other half of Baking with Chickens, Mr. Baking with Chickens, unfortunately. Life happens. It is what it is. So it's a bit of a rebrand and a reshuffle in my life. So that means in the new year, Baking with Chickens will no longer be Baking with Chickens. I'm looking for a new name, but I'm still going to be on Instagram. So if you're following me, it's it's just going to be a switchover at the beginning of the year. But pretty much the news is like, I'm still exactly who I am, still baking, still the weird lady with chickens. <laughs> but um, I got to tell on national TV on this Hulu show that roosters don't have a penis. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, I love it. Love That's it, fantastic. Girl. That's fantastic. Dude is still very jerky. He's getting better. We have a better relationship. He's over a year old now, so he's like now calming down. Some of them it takes longer, but a young rooster is generally when they're at their peak of testosterone. So that was our next question for you. How are the chickens? And do you have any new additions? The chickens are doing great. I do not have any new additions. There is no more room at this inn. (laughs) (laughs) No vacancies. No, no vacancies. I had a friend who asked me because she was like, oh, could you hang on to my two chickens while I remodel my house? And I was like, nope, can't do it. Well, also, my chickens are huge jerk faces. They don't do well with newbies. They're so mean. But all the chickens are doing well, with the exception of dude getting raked over the coals over there. He'll be fine, but he just requires extra attention. But yeah. he's a house rooster for a little bit. And I put a little like chicken diaper lingerie, like with my underwear on him. And I did a conference call with him, like wandering around in my house. And it was the funniest thing I have ever seen. You made a homemade diaper with your underwear. <laughs> I absolutely I'm no, love I'm no it. good. I'm no good. <laughs> while you're on a Zoom call in your underwear as a diaper. 
<laughs> I love it. That's and good stuff. Growing, and this poor person on the call is like, what is going on? I was like, yep, <laughs> welcome to my life. Hello. But he, you know what is funny, though? He actually does really well as a house rooster. I was so tempted because his entire demeanor changes. Like he has nothing yes. to protect and nothing to fight right. for. The reality is that most roosters make incredibly good house pets. They yes. do. They do. It's true. Yep. So sweet as a house pet and he loves being petted and he falls asleep in my lap in my mm-hmm. arms. And I was like, oh man, this is so tempting. But I'm like, I can't keep the house. <laughs> you run out of underwear. You <laughs> <laughs> buy him his own. <laughs> he has a very distinct style, you guys. I put Halloween costumes on him. And I'm sure if you look at my Instagram, there's three different photos. And like one of them is him as a lobster and he's just pancaked on the ground. Like he's like, nope, I refuse to move. And then there's another one where he's got like a little cowboy like riding him and he's just like flattened and like won't move. And then I, <laughs> the first photo in that set, he has a little like Dracula cape. I've seen like, that one. Hey, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fly. This is my look. He's such a diva. So he oh. has very specific tastes for his Gertie clothes. was a witch for Halloween. I did the same thing. She had the cape and the hat on. I was a witch and she was my witch companion. Okay, so we saw that you are collaborating with Such Good Birds. Yeah. Uh, Julia is a little small company over on the East Coast, and you and her are working together with stationery and stickers and notebooks. And the good thing is you guys are donating 10% of proceeds over to Adopt a Bird Network from the notebook. I forget exactly how much. We're like, we don't want to do the math. Like, here's just a, an easy cut. So yes, Julia and I met about a year ago. Last year for National Chicken Lady Day, I did a collab where I reached out to different people who were bakers and who had chickens who like birds and like that I saw it. And I hosted a collab. So anybody could bake any chicken themed or draw any art, whatever. It was just for fun to celebrate National Chicken Lady Day. And Julia made a cake, even though she's not a baker. And that's how we connected And she loved what I was doing. She loves my chickens. I loved her cute artwork. And Julia's artwork at Such Good Birds. She has an Etsy shop and a shop on her site now. And actually, she's going to be our retail therapy today. So we're all going to really learn about her Uh, later in the episode. Yeah, she makes cute stuff for birds and nerds is her tagline. (laughs) And I was like, I love that. And so she reached out and said she wanted to do a notebook and draw my chickens and my desserts. She had this whole vision for like a chicken and dessert series on like washi tape and stickers. And I was like, awesome. I love it. So we started talking. And she sketched out all of my chickens and we cute ideas and we went through it and designed a really fun notebook that says Bok Bok Bake on it. We had, I think, a one or two month delay on production because we wanted rainbow hologram foil for the front and it was delayed. And I'm like, I'm going to wait. This rainbow hologram is totally worth it. And it Oh, was. that's where it is. This is also like when a lot of the, you know, hate against the Asian American community was coming up and she's like, I want to do something. I want to donate. And I was like, ah, this kind of feels awkward. Like what makes more sense? You know, like I, it didn't feel like a perfect fit. And we realized that adopt a bird network would be great because she loves birds. I love that, you know, so she doesn't own any of her own birds, but she's a bird lady and she goes and feeds pigeons at the park and she takes care of like little birds. And so, and it's because I had adopted dude through the shelter system and I found him on adopt a bird network. They're a fantastic nonprofit organization 
that spreads awareness for birds and chickens that are in the shelter system that can be adopted. So instead of buying new chicks, you can help save one. So we decided to donate a portion of our sales to adopt a bird network to help raise awareness, especially since dude was our cover boy <laughs> for this. Nice. And all my chickens are rescues. So it was a really great tie in to raise awareness for adopting chickens rather than buying them if people are interested. So, And that's one thing that we really love about you is that you are very avid in adopting these chickens and saving them. You know, the whole story we did in March was about Dude and his adoption from Adopt-A-Bird. So it's awesome to give back. We commend you guys for doing that. That is really great. So the, it's going to bring us into the next question, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're kind of switching gears a little bit. We want you to tell us all about being on Hulu's Baker's Dozen and how that came about. And if they let you talk about chickens other than the rooster penis thing. <laughs> um, did they let me talk about chickens? I just talked about it and whether <laughs> on them to edit it in. I would not shut up about the chickens. <laughs> um, so I just kept going. I also said, so it started with chickens have one hole for everything. <laughs> oh, Lord. And roosters don't have a penis, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And most people don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I talked about their eggs and how I incorporate them. But being on the show was really, really cool. I've never been on a baking competition show. And the vibes were just very positive, very collaborative spirit. Like it wasn't like one of those reality shows where like you're all trying out to get each other, which is why I think it was so fun to be on. And I ended up being friends with people I was on the show with. And I love it. I will tell you right now that time while you're baking on a competition show, while exactly the same as in real time, just feels different. Like, okay. They told me I had an hour to decorate this cake in the first round. And like, I practiced it at home and I had time to spare. Like, I was like, oh, I got this. And then like the day of, I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I might not finish decorating this cake. It was very hard. And I didn't have to make the cake. I just had to decorate it. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's good. So decorating in one hour, you're like, I don't know. Practicing <laughs> without the pressure is different yeah. than the camera being on you. That's oh, yeah. for sure. The hosts are coming around and they're talking to you and distracting you. And you're like, you know, out of the corner of your eye, you're seeing other people and what they're doing. And you're like, what is, what's going on over there? <laughs> and it was intense, but it was a really fun experience. And it was a good group. There were so many people. The way the show was set up, each episode is its own contained and has its own contestants. So I'm only on episode five, the geometric tart episode. And I had a whole bunch of other baker friends who were on all of the others. So it's like one intense Great British Bake Off jammed into one episode. Like over I was going to say, can we link this in the show notes so that we everybody can mm -hmm. go and watch Christina's yeah. episode? Yeah, I can certainly link this. No problem. I also made some cookies on the show, which I will share the recipe with you for your holiday right. baking needs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did they let you bake with your own eggs? No. So because of COVID, there's like very extreme COVID precautions. And they also mm -hmm. have an entire food team. They basically procure everything you need and extras of it and provide it to you. So nice. I was not able to bring my own eggs, unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> That sounds like it was an amazing experience. Coming off of that, then you're coming back on to Instagram and you have happened what everybody on Instagram wants to have happen. <laughs> you had an IG reel go viral and I'm talking way over yeah. 1 million views. 
It was not, and it was one of the dumbest videos too. Like, that's the thing is like, I can't put in this much effort. It went from like a paltry, like a couple thousand watches to 1.3 million in four days. And I was watching wow. the time and I was like, is the algorithm going to stop it? Like what's going on? But it was crazy to watch. It was really fun in that moment. Cause you're like, go, go. And like, will it, what will it spark? But it's also kind of a superficial moment, right? It's like gambling, yes. like that hit and you're like, yes. And then like, once it's gone, you're like, oh yeah. Like it, Instagram gives and then they take. So it's, it's kind yes. of a superficial win, but it was fun to watch and see what works. And I think we kind of watched it with you because we saw it taking off and then we were kind of amazed. We were like, oh, yeah. we want to see how high this video is going to go. Christina's and we watched what it did for your follows. It gave you thousands of follows. Instagram gives and they take away. So I got yes. doubled my followers pretty much. And then like I had 3,000, 4,000 new followers and then people started unfollowing. So yes. I dropped about a few hundred to a thousand. So it's one of those things where you're watching and you're like, you're, my heart's like sinking because you're like, oh, I'm losing people. I was like, but you know what? Those people weren't real anyway. Exactly. Like, not real followers. So it's easy to get caught up in that hype and the algorithm, but ultimately at the end of the day, right, I'm trying to find people who love what I'm doing, who care about what I'm saying. And like a viral video is great because it promotes discoverability, but it might not be your audience. So I still have to remind myself, like, that was cool. But now it's like, okay, like you never, you can't, I can't stop we agree with you 1 million percent because you kind of see that happening with Instagram and we're growing completely organically and we right. want everyone that's here with us to be here because they want to be with us. And like you said, it's exactly right. It gets you exposure. And then the people who want to stick with you will and the ones who don't, don't. But it was really cool to see one of our friends have a real go 1.3 million views, man. We were like, watch that thing go. It popped up in our feed and we were just like, wow. I mean, it looks really pretty. You know, the short looks, looks really pretty. And you're slicing it. We were like, look at this. Yeah, go, Christina, go. It was the lowest effort reel I have ever made. <laughs> Literally, it was, phone, it was top down. I just hyperlapsed it and I cut a cookie and that was it. Like other things I put so much more effort in and like it just goes mar mar. And it's like, all right. Clearly, I don't understand what the kids want these days. Exactly. We're the same way. <laughs> We're, We're the same, same way. way. You just yes. keep doing you and keep doing what makes you happy out there. And what it takes, it's going to take. And people will be there because they love you and they want to be there. Right. You know, and we're building a community of people. And if you want in, welcome, come, come hang, come do cool things. And yes. if you that's cool, too. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We agree with you one million percent. Okay, so it's time to talk about cookies. Yes. So Because it's holiday time. It's holiday time, and we want us to tell you about the cookies you did on Hulu and what other recipes you'd like to share with us. And then we're going to share these on our show notes yes. for everyone so that they can make these cookies and wow all their yeah, friends Yeah, we'll link to family. Christina's site. You are putting most of your recipes on your website now. Is that right? They are. So again, there's going to be a rebrand that's going to happen. All the info will be there. You can still find me. I have a lot of work on my back end, but yes, the recipes are all on my website. I'll give you links that you can follow to how to make them. But if you watch my Hulu episode, Bill Yossis, who is one of the judges and was a former White House pastry chef under the Obama administration, he made a comment and they're like, cookies, just a cookie. Now, I have a very strong opinion about this. A cookie 
is not just a cookie. And I feel like people who poo it because they're like, oh, it's so easy. But I don't know how many of you have had gross, disgusting tasting cookies during the holiday cookie exchange. So normally when I do it and I go around and I eat people's cookies, I'm like, yeah, eh, and I kind of like throw them. I'm such, an, I'm such a jerk. I, I'll never tell this to the people whose cookies I eat because that's rude and not nice. But like usually I'm like, yeah, they're okay. A great cookie is really hard to make. So it is. It's, it's true. true. That's why we love these recipes. And some people don't understand as chicken ladies, all of us, our secret ingredients are our fresh eggs. They make a huge difference in these cookies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Eggs add richness and flavor to your cookie. So my farm fresh eggs, they're rich. They've got that golden yolk. You want to use room temp eggs when you bake so that they mix in with your batter and absorb and hydrate your dough. It's cold, it won't mix in as well. So that's another tip. When I was new to baking, I was just like, ah, whatever. And I just grabbed the eggs out of the fridge and just crack them. And I'm like, what difference does it make? Oh no, it makes a big difference. That's an excellent tip for everybody. Use the freshest ones you have on the counter. We all know we have the bulk on, you have some on the counter and some in the fridge. (laughs) So use those room temperature eggs. And cookies, they're a piece of work, each cookie. Yeah. And if you need to bring your eggs to room temp quickly, like you have them in the fridge, if you just kind of take your egg and you put them in a bowl of lukewarm water, it will help bring your eggs to temp quickly instead of having to wait for it. Love okay. That. That's a awesome. new thing I learned recently too. So my favorite four top picks for holiday cookies, because I have a competitive spirit, put them in your holiday cookie exchanges so that people can be very impressed. The one I made for the Hulu show was black sesame rainbow crinkle cookies. Um, So that's more of an exotic flavor. So rather, I mean, if you can also make it a chocolate crinkle and add in sprinkles as well, it would also look really beautiful. But the point of the cookie was it's a dark, like a black gray cookie with the rainbow sprinkles, the the jimmies, the long skinnies, not the balls. So I put those inside the cookie dough and then crinkle them. So when you see it, they look cracked and you see peaks of rainbows popping out from the inside. And that was made in the style of depressed cake shop to bring awareness for mental health and baking as therapy for mental health. And I made, and so you can watch the show and you can hear the whole story and it's on my blog too. So you can read the whole story of how and why I came up with this, but I wanted to make those for the show because I wanted to share a very specific message for people who needed to hear it. But it's one of my favorites, black sesame. It's a different flavor. It's got an earthy nuttiness to it. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's a flavor I grew up with in my Chinese culture because I'd have like black sesame, those little like the mochi soup ball things during special occasions. There's a lot of like cookies and different things, but it's actually a lot like tahini. So it's just a black sesame and it's a lot like tahini, but it's got a sweeter, earthier, more pungent flavor. So I encourage you to try it. You can buy black sesame seeds at any Asian or like ethnic grocery stores will usually Mm -hmm. have them. And I use a coffee grinder to turn them into a powder and into a flour that I mix into the cookie dough. Another good tip. Also, because I thought of you guys, because you're on the East Coast here in LA, like apple cider season just isn't a thing. But really? Yeah, it's just I mean, it is like kind of but it's also 90 degrees outside right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But for those of you who have apple cider season and have access to fresh real apple cider, I have an recipe 
for apple cider caramel cookies. Oh, those sound fabulous. Amazing. It's a little fussy and complicated, but so worth it. Okay, so the cookie itself, you have to cook down apple cider, real apple cider, not like the juice Martinelli. If it looks like apple juice and it's clear, no. You want to buy the fresh one that's a little cloudy because it has the natural pectin in it. So you're Mm going to cook that down into a syrup and it'll kind of have that like jelly-like consistency. And so that gets mixed in with the cookie dough along with some chopped rosemary to give it a little savory bump. And then you're also going to make homemade apple cider caramels, which is not as hard and intimidating as you think it might be because I was very intimidated by caramels for a long time. And I found a great recipe from Bigger Boulder Baking and it works. It's great. So you're going to make apple cider caramels. You're going to make this apple cider rosemary cookie, and then you're going to put the caramel on top. So it pools on top of it. And I love it. Beautiful. It's a different cookie. And I promise that you will not see it anywhere else. So it's kind of like a part snickerdoodle, but it's got a rosemary kick and the rosemary just complements the apple and brings it out. So it's not just a sugar bomb. It's got something else to it too. That sounds amazing. It sounds phenomenal. It sounds awesome. I can't wait to make it again this season. All right. And then my other favorite that was very popular. So are you guys familiar with the London Fog drink? I am not. A London Fog is essentially like an Earl Grey latte. Okay. And so this is a London Fog cookie and it's studded with Earl Grey and Mm. rolled in cacao nibs. So it's not super sweet. So it's a very like beautiful, soft Earl Grey cookie and it's rolled in cacao nibs and sugar. So you've got a little bit of the crunchy cacao nibs on the outside and a hint of chocolate without the sweetness of chocolate. And it's just beautiful. So these, a lot of these are part of my, like my winter drink series. So I made cookies that were inspired by winter warming drinks. And then my last favorite, which is a crowd pleaser, hot chocolate toasted marshmallow cookies. Oh, (laughs) yes. That would go over big in my house. (laughs) So they're these amazing chocolate cookies. And they've got, I I put a little malt in them. So it it gives you that creamy, because I grew up drinking Ovaltine for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So, Oh my God, I remember the Ovaltine. (laughs) And so I actually put scoops of Ovaltine instead of real malt. So like in my instructions, you can see like, yeah, one or the other, whatever. Um, But the point is to give it an extra creamy flavor that you wouldn't get from just a normal chocolate cookie. And then the secret is I take the big jet puffed marshmallows And then I get a culinary torch and torch them, cut them in half and stuff them into the cookie dough. So I make the chocolate cookies with the malt, toast the marshmallows, and then roll it like basically like roll the cookie dough around the marshmallow, flatten it, bake it. So then when it bakes, it crinkles and you can see the pool of marshmallow, like the toasted marshmallow. Oh my goodness. And it's toasted. So it's got that extra flavor. And then you kind of give it a little hit of a flaky sea salt. Wow. Yeah. It sounds phenomenal. And all of these can be infused. So if you're if you want to try to make an infused cookie for your friends, I do have instructions for how to do that. You can always hit me up, um, DM me on Instagram, and I will walk you through how to dose them perfectly so that you don't make them too strong and mess up your friends. (laughs) And we can put links to your website. And to Instagram in our show notes so that everybody knows how exactly to find you. So once you have these beautiful, delicious cookies, 
give us a little of the science of eggs and cookie recipes. So eggs, I mentioned earlier, give richness and flavor, and they also give the cookies their lift, right? So baking powder and baking soda is also part of what gives them the lift. So when I was developing the chocolate marshmallow cookies, and actually all of these cookies, I was having such a hard time because acidity, so baking powder and soda react with something that's acid to give it lift. Eggs will also give it lift, but sometimes you need a little booster. So depending on how much acid is in it, cocoa powder is a very strong acid that reacts. But when you have another cookie, like my apple cider ones or the London fog, it doesn't react in the same way. So you have to adjust it all. But eggs will also give you some of that. If you remove the eggs and you use like applesauce or something else, that also works. But I find that eggs just kind of gives it the texture Mm-hmm. that you're looking for when it bakes up, right? You want, there's like a very specific chew to your cookie. There's a richness again of the flavor and the type of eggs you use absolutely make a difference. Cause think about what it's like when you taste just a normal grocery store egg in a scrambled egg versus the ones that are fresh from your chicken. So that will also translate into your cookies and any of your baked goods. So that's some of the science of eggs and baking. They provide lift, they provide flavor. And that's why it's worth it to spend a little bit extra. But sometimes like if I'm making a recipe that I know the eggs aren't going to make a huge difference, then sometimes I'll like, or if I'm making a big batch, like sometimes I'll just go get grocery store eggs, especially in the winter when the chickens are on strike and I can't do anything about it. I have a name for that in this household. And my husband and I call it the walk of shame when the chickens aren't laying eggs (laughs) and you have to go buy them. So I'm wondering if you have a particular size or weight of egg that you like to use for cookies. Large eggs are the standard for baking. I forget the exact gram count. Mine are probably a little bit higher. Like I have to be precise with it, but if you're buying grocery store eggs or you have little ones, right? Like I have one of my chicken snozberry, her eggs are smaller than the others. Mm -hmm. So I don't use hers for baking. I use hers for omelets and eating. Okay. The eggs from Pickleberry, my Rhode Island Red, and Burrito Berry, the California White, are the large eggs. And the Leela Berry, the little game hen, has tiny eggs too. So if I'm using a lot of eggs, then I'll use them and I'll actually weigh it out. Okay. Um, But then I get into a problem where it's like, do I need half an egg? And then I got to scoop it out. Okay. So the reason why you want to use large eggs is because it is the volume of liquid that is going into your recipe. So if you use small eggs or medium-sized eggs, there is not enough volume of the liquid and the egg for the ratio of your recipe. So not enough to add in the flavor, or it might not be enough to hydrate your dough or give it the lift that it really needs. Okay. Now that's an excellent, concise answer. And I will look up the volume of a large egg and I'll include that in the show notes in case anyone wants to check that out. That's fantastic. We wanted to ask you, since it's mid-December and holiday time, do you have any special family traditions from the holidays or any special plans that you have for the holidays? Growing up Chinese, we would have kind of like that traditional Thanksgiving dinner. And it's really funny because most of us would sit around and just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> food that we really eat, you know, like my, I don't know, my mom like loves the green bean casserole, but then like, we, it's just kind of too heavy and we don't eat it that way. Like we'll kind of put a spin on it. Um, I'm spending Thanksgiving with my parents and we were just talking about what to eat. And every year we're kind of like, do you want turkey? Not really. What do you want? 
ah. And so we always come up with something more creative. So this year, I think we're going to do some Santa Barbara spot prawns. We've done Ooh. crab. We'll do like a Thanksgiving crab feast. That's my favorite. But oh, you know what is a tradition? Whenever I do have turkey, so I will take all of the bones and the leftover and like the, the leftover bone scraps and I will make Chinese jo. So it's a porridge. It's also called con- kanji. So okay. Okay. yeah, so basically I take all of the bones and all of whatever leftover scrappy meats, throw them into a big pot with rice and water. And then my grandma taught me to boil it on high heat. So high heat is the key because it, it'll give it a rolling boil. So the rice grains will keep moving and not stay at the bottom and get burnt because that's something too. like the rice will, if it's at the bottom, you'll get it like stuck to the bottom of the pot, but high heat with the turkey bones, the meat, rice, water, and just boil the crap out of it until you see the rice grains are, have exploded and it's broken down into like a starchy mixture and you've got breakfast and you just eat it with a bunch of things, but that's like Chinese comfort food. So that is probably the strongest tradition that I have. And I know a lot of other of my Chinese American friends, like that's something we grew up with where you take the turkey bones and you turn it into jok. Nice. And it's everybody does it a little bit different, right? Like mine looks very different from my mom's. Like we have two different styles of making it. And I love mine. I like my mom's too, but like, right, you kind of make it to the consistency and the viscosity that you want few weeks ago, we gave my stuffing recipe for Thanksgiving. And it's inspired by my mom's stuffing recipe, but I turned it into my own and made it different, but yet the same. So I kind of, I know exactly what you're talking about. I love the fact that not only does it celebrate your heritage, but it's a really awesome way to use the rest of the carcass. Yes. So a lot less waste. waste. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And it's a whole other meal. Like it's so much food, you know, it's peasant food, it's breakfast food with some bones and rice and water. You can make most incredible meal and feast for your family. I also really like, I haven't had this in a while because it's just such a pain in the butt, but a rice turkey stuffing. So like whenever we if we do do a big turkey, I've had it where you do the sticky rice and Chinese sausage, lap chung, and it's got a, like a sweet, smoky meat flavor. Like it's kind of got like a sugar cure in it, I think. And you mix all that up with like Chinese mushrooms and like these chopped vegetables and you stuff it in. And so all the turkey juices and meat get into yeah. the rice and it's really good. I haven't had that one in a long time. because That sounds absolutely amazing. I haven't eaten meat in years, but something like that would really, really tempt me to eat meat. I have to tell you. <laughs> and, my, and Ella would be all over sticky, Ella's sticky, sticky rice. rice. Mm-hmm. My 11 year old is addicted to sticky rice. <laughs> She's like, make, make me sticky rice, make me sticky rice. Oh, that is so good. And you know what's also like, I've also noticed sometimes like I just, I like, I mean, I enjoy roasting the whole turkey, but like, it's just too much food. So what I, and I don't like the white meat. I'm a dark meat kind of gal, like I'll mm-hmm. dark meat all day long. So what I started doing instead of buying a whole turkey is like, I'll go to the butcher or whole foods and I'll only buy like the turkey leg. And then I'll find out from him like, all right, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? And then I'll just buy however much of the pieces instead of the whole turkey. Oh, that's so, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, less weight. Yeah. It makes perfect sense when you think about it. It, really it does. does. My friend told me that. And I was like, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. Cause I'm like, I don't want a whole turkey. I just want a leg. We want to thank you so much for coming back on and talking to us and catching us up because so much has happened since <laughs> last time you were on. I know I'm missing a lot of things in there too, but (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. 
We'll keep up with you. Yes. I mean, we've all met through chickens and we will be friends for life with you. So oh, just one quick thing before we let you go and we don't even have time to talk about it. I'm just going to mention it. I saw your fierce female Friday hashtag. Go ahead and follow that hashtag because Christina's featured some pretty amazing people already. Yeah. And you know what? It is all about supporting women in the space, right? Yes. I find that I am surrounded by really incredible, fierce, badass women entrepreneurs like you two. The whole point is that we are here to uplift and support each other. And that is exactly. I started Fierce Female Friday because I wanted to give people shout outs and encourage others to follow them. So yeah, do it. If you have a Fierce Female in your life, hashtag Fierce Female Friday. Give them a tag, give them a shout out. That's how we will all rise and take over the world together. That's, that's our right. message too. That's women right. supporting women. And that's what we want to put out there. Exactly. Definitely for sure. Christina, you are a delight as always. You're hilarious, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back on the show. And we will keep in touch with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. See you later, Christina. Bye-bye. Thank you, Christina, for joining us again. It's always so much fun to talk to you. And thank you for sharing those fantastic cookie recipes. So yummy. If you make Christina's cookies, make sure you put them on Instagram or social media. Tag Christina and tag us. We'd love to see them. I can't wait. The apple cider one. The apple cider cookies look amazing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's our crack in the eggs eggs. and our main topic. So now it's about that time that we go into retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So this week for retail therapy, we decided to go with a company who is actually working with Christina. Right. We mentioned them for the notebook collaboration. Yes. So a portion of the funds go to Adopt-A-Bird Network. Oh, which is fantastic. Okay. So we want to talk about Such Good Birds. Which is essentially a stationary company. Yes. And boy, is that stuff cute. It's different and super cute. (laughs) It's very different. So the artist is Julia. Yes. Basically, it's a stationary shop. It's dedicated to providing quality bird-themed items. And she did reach out to Christina, and her whole baking section of the stationery and the stickers are based on Christina's birds. Cute. And based on Dude, one of them. Yeah, one of them must be Dude. Julia is the owner and the artist. And she's been doing it for quite some time. And she went through a rebranding in 2020. On her website, Julia talks about the bird on her logo, Mm -hmm. which is a white crested black Polish. Yes. So cute. And her name is Pancake. It's so cute. It's so cute. I love that. That's such a cute name. And so she's got Pancake on a couple of these things. I just love it. So she does a lot of chickens. Yes. She does a lot of other birds as well. She does pigeons and other birds. Seagulls. Yes. So if you're a fan of all birds and chickens... And what's hot right now? Stickers. Apparently they are, especially the big ones, the good sized ones. The big ones are hot. And she has some really cute notebooks and notepads. I go through a lot of notepads here in the house. Too. And the one notepad that you were pointing out to me, which was so cute, was a mama hen holding the leaf over the little chicks. That's ridiculous. And it was raining. It's so adorable. I love that one. There's also a hen that's in a watermelon stack. I love her. I know. And then my other favorite is pancake on a to-do list. I love the to-do list ones. I go through so many of those. In a lot of these, the Polish chickens are holding a chef's knife. We kind of looked into why are they holding knives. Yes. And it's really awesome. This is on the website. 
The knife is a reminder to slash through the negative thoughts and to cut out time for yourself in the day. And what a great mantra. I love that. I love it, love it, love it. And if there's a chicken with a knife reminding you to do it, (laughs) all the better. And it's a Polish chicken at that. A cute little chicken with a knife to say, hey, don't take any negativity (laughs) in. It's not worth the time. It's not. It's true. And you know what? Make time for yourself. These stickers, the notebooks, everything is so cute. The notebooks are adorable. There's one It says everyone loves a Polish hen and has drawings of Polish all over it. Oh, yeah. That's so cute. All of her stuff's adorable. Even the pigeons and all the other birds. Yeah. And it's so nice that she does certain collaborations with people. I think the pigeon and the better days are ahead, the molting chicken. I I love that. If you get those stickers, proceeds of those also go towards charity. Okay. So it's baking with chickens, the notebook, the balk balk bake, and then the stickers also go to different charities. Okay. She does have a sticker sheet. It's like a four by six sticker sheet and it's a lot of breeds on it. And there's a Brahma and a 7-5 Rawl that I just lost my mind over. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. I saw that. They're cute. They're beyond cute. There's an Americana, too, and they have. she has a beard. But yes. the Favreau and the Brahma the capture them. That Favreau's face. And they do that face, too. There's a Bard Rock. They're so cute. They're really, really cute. And you know what? An Orpington, an Americana, and a Menorca. I love that no cards and stationery are actually coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's so nice. Yeah. I would love to get something with like a cool chicken sticker, a note in the mail. Oh, absolutely. From a friend versus the average like medical bill or <laughs> something. <laughs> the way I see it is stationery is kind of making a comeback. And I, I love it. I think that's really nice. She also has these little neat key rings that she makes. And enamel pins as well. Yeah. They're so cute. They remind me of like when we were little. They're so much nicer. But like when you used to do shrinky dinks. They are similar to shrinky dinks. Yeah. I love them. (laughs) I love them. I used to love shrinky dinks Uh myself. They're so cute. You can get the Polish chicken. You can get a purple Polish chicken. (laughs) Oh, the other thing she has are pencil bags, which are so cute. You can get them them in all the different prints. Yeah. There's the chicken pencil bag. There's so much stuff. She does ducks and geese as well. She has bits with ducks and geese on them. Yeah. And then just all the different stickers. She has flamingos, the seagulls, everything. I love the seagulls. (laughs) Seagulls and aquatic birds. You can get a Polish with the knife as a notebook. I love it. Remembering the slash at negativity Slash the negativity. I mean, look, it's a chicken with a chef's knife. How do you not love that? You don't. And she draws all this art. She does all the drawing herself. It's amazing. She just loves birds. It's really fantastic stuff. I mean, it just makes me happy looking at it. Her website is Such Good Birds. You can look it up, go Uh right on there. And we love it. She has a blog. Such Good Blog. Nice. Uh Uh-huh. I love going to new websites and just checking it out and seeing Uh people's work and all their heart that they put into it. Yeah. And I think that Julia puts a lot of her heart into this work. You can see it. It's beyond cute. I just love all of it. But if you're looking to buy some stationery, if you're looking for stickers to trade, I just occasionally see people on social media, chicken people, sending each other stickers, which is kind of fun. I love the stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Check her out. Link in the show notes. We need a bulletin board down here where we just put stickers up on it. I like that idea. All the chicken stickers. Right. Holly Ann's going to link to Such Good Birds in our show notes, take you right to the website so you can check her out. Absolutely. Should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are doing a fascinating breed, the melee. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. This is the one that we we're kind of like, oh, but then yay. But you and- know, as I've started the research, they're really interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're talking to Fiona. Fiona is back. It's our roundtable with Fiona. We're talking about substrate for your run heading into winter. It's important. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. We are doing this year's bread pudding recipe. Oh, yeah. So we're cracking the eggs. And our retail therapy is chicken ornaments. Yay! It's Christmas time. <laughs> chicken Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yay. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.